You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, guys. It's Katie from Queens. So we were on vacation this week, but I didn't want to leave you guys without an awesome episode. So if you were enjoying our Selena, Queen of Tano series, Hopefully, you'll enjoy this rerun of our episode on Aretha Franklin, Queen of Soul. So enjoy. And as always, we curse like a fucking lot in this show. So if that's not your thing, this will not be the episode for you. Otherwise, cheers, bitches. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. We're back. Okay. No. So if you are just joining us, we are Queen's Podcast, and this is our season premiere of our fifth season. Nathan, who are we going to talk about today? I don't know. Do you respect Festiva? I think she deserves a lot of respect. And how do you spell Respect, Katie. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Okay, that should give you a big old <laughs> hint. Um, so, we are talking about Aretha Franklin. Queen of Soul. Yes, bitch. I love this. I am so excited. This one was a tough one for you guys, playing along in like the comment section, trying to figure out. I, I drop mean, a lot of hints on Instagram. It's very different from what we usually yeah. do. So I can understand because people are probably like, we're actually looking for a queen yes. of something. Yes. And it's like, yes, she was a queen, but she was the queen of soul. Of soul. This is only our second American queen as well. Yes, bitch. Yeah. And the perfect one at that. Yes. All right. You ready to talk about Aretha? Wait. Hold on, Katie. Okay. We got to talk about what we're drinking today. Oh, my God. How could I forget <laughs> about the cocktail? So, let's talk about cocktail. Oh. Um, I see so. what you did there. I see what you did there. I made the soul kiss, mm-hmm. um, which is three quarters of an ounce of whiskey, three quarters of an ounce of dry vermouth, a tablespoon and a half of orange juice, and a tablespoon and a half of Dubonnet, which is French for bonnet. I don't know. <laughs> something. <laughs> French for something. <laughs> but mix it up. And then what I ended up doing is like topping it off with some Italian citrus mineral water Ooh. to give it a little fizzy, Ooh. lovely kiss. Because it's a soul kiss. It's a soul kiss. I love it. All right, well, let me, let's taste it. Let's, let's taste cheers it. it. Let's cheers, cheers it. Cheers it. Oh, that's nice. It tastes like adult it, orange juice. It, it, yeah, it tastes like adult orange juice. That's a really good way to explain <laughs> it, Nathan. It does. I 
Longtime listeners know of the show know that I am a picky drinker. So if Katie says it's I, that means most people will probably like it. Yeah, most people will. <laughs> I mean, Katie's not a big whiskey drinker. Either. I'm not a big, except for the peanut butter whiskey. Oh, why don't we talk about Aretha Franklin? How's that sound? Yes. So Aretha Louise Franklin was born March 25th, 1942, in Memphis, Tennessee. Her parents were C.L. and Barbara Franklin. They weren't exactly poor, but they weren't exactly rich at the time of her birth either. Yeah, and her dad was a Baptist preacher who also started to make a name for himself in the civil rights movement. Like, 1940s Tennessee, picture it, I'm Sophia from Golden Girls. (laughs) Picture it, all the racism. Um, (laughs) Segregated AF mm -hmm. and... This is the Jim Crow era. So yeah. Not a cute time for me. Not a cute time. Not a good look at all. Um, her mother was a singer and a piano player, and all of her children tended to have musical talents, but obviously Aretha was the most talented. Yeah, and her family is like blended in a nice way. <laughs> Yeah, right. So she had two older brothers, and Vaughn was from her mother's previous marriage or relationship, and Cecil was, like, full-on blood brother. Full blood brother. Yeah. She had two younger sisters who were also full blood sisters named Irma and Carolyn. And then she had a half-sister that was born the same year as her brother Vaughn, and that half-sister was a result of an extramarital affair her father had with a 12-year-old. This is not unlike a lot of our other queen stories. Yeah, 12-year-olds getting pregnant, but being that this was um the with, 1940s, 50s. It's um it's 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 not it continues to not be a great look. <laughs> a 12 like it was a 12-year-old member of his congregation that he got pregnant. Then everything just kind of sweeps over this. <laughs> Like, no one really talks about it too much again. And I'm just kind of like, what the... (laughs) The Barf. um, First bullet point in this uh, discussion, barf. Um, (laughs) Second bullet point, her dad would have been 25 when he got the 12-year-old pregnant. And then he still goes on to be, like, this famous, prominent person. And it's... I. But you dated a 12-year-old. I just, um, <laughs> it just, I don't want to talk about it too much longer because I could sit here going, bah, huh, for the whole episode. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's just never really discussed in depth in anything that I read. It's just kind of like, fun fact. They just, like, gloss over it. Yes! <laughs> um, so I'm going to have to move on, but barf. Yeah, the family ended up moving around Aretha's first few years. So they went to Buffalo, New York when she was like four, and then to Detroit a few years later. Mm -hmm. Um, And she and her siblings were super duper close. And her family nickname was Riri. She was Riri. I think that's so cute. <laughs> it is cute. That's a really... Did you have a nickname with your brothers and sisters as a kid? <laughs> I do. It was literally right out of Aretha's playbook. My name was Nene. Nene. Watch me whip. Watch, Watch me, me Nene. Nene. Yes. <laughs> so cute. And then my family's like, wait, you're gay? <laughs> you you call, are gay gay? You call me Nene. Yeah. <laughs> what did you expect? I didn't really... Did I you? was the oldest... 
So you were just Katie. I was just Katie. Um, Katie with the good hair. Okay, um, okay <laughs> sure. I don't really remember being called that as a child, but I'll take it now. Um, but my my niece and nephew now call me KK. Okay, Nene and KK. Nene and KK. Yeah. Welcome to the Queen's podcast with Nene and KK. <laughs> anyway, let's um let's get back to the story. <laughs> so when CL was offered a position as preacher at this Baptist church in Detroit, big fucking deal. This was like his big break. Yeah, and from there on out, the family lived. Actually, quite comfortably. Um, the Rolling Stone article that both of us read that did the research says that they moved into this like fancy ass mansion, mansion in Detroit. So moving yeah. on up, comfortable. I feel like I should go ahead and like preface that there is we couldn't afford the rights to any of the music we want to put in this show, so we are going to be doing a lot of. Bad singing. Um, Speak for yourself, Katie. Nathan, I think you have a beautiful voice, but you're not Aretha. And I don't think that's an insult. I think it's just reality. I hope you're not insulted by that you're not Aretha. We're going to have to talk about this. Okay, okay. Let's circle back. We'll take that offline. Get our synergy. (laughs) So, here in Detroit, the family has made friends with this guy that you may... Or may have not heard of. Um, his name was uh, Martin Luther King Jr. You know, name no big, dropping. No big deal. Yeah, MLK was just like a family friend that would just like pop by for dinner sometime. Like, just no big deal. Just casual. Just casual. Like, we're just having our good friend Marty over. Yeah. Right. And then everything is going Awesome. 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 So they live in a mansion. <laughs> they got <laughs> Cadillacs. Uh, but mama was done. Money, money can't buy you happiness. No. This is a, this- well, daddy bear was cheating his ass off mm-hmm. and got a fucking temper and she was getting the fuck out. So Aretha's yeah. mama took her older brother and was like, fuck this. Moving back to Buffalo. Yeah, her older her older half brother was the only one that went with Mama, and I can only speculate, and maybe I'm completely projecting here. Aretha was like five, and she's not even the youngest child. So for a mother to just be like, "I am leaving my children," because like um, Buffalo to Detroit's like about a four or five hour drive. To be like, I am moving so far away. That's literally like a drive in Texas. Yes. <laughs> Just a normal. But still, for someone to be like, I'm moving so far away from my babies, it must have been such a volatile relationship. Mm-hmm. Aretha and her, her brothers and sisters said that they never saw him hit her. They never saw him hit their mother, but he had a temper. So maybe they, they were like behind closed doors. Yeah. It must have been so, so bad. I mean, he did get a 12-year-old pregnant while married. Yeah, that's not a good look. So, <laughs> but yeah, maybe I'm just projecting there, but like, I just have to imagine how bad was that relationship for her to just be like, I don't want your money. I don't want your mansion. I'm getting the fuck out. Yeah. So the marriage is real bad. Mm-hmm. And Aretha took it really hard, which isn't really surprising no, because you're no. a five-year-old. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and she would go to see her mother often, but... After their divorce, she became a little bit quiet and mm-hmm. more reserved as mm-hmm. a child. And Aretha's brother said that Aretha really wanted to live with her mother, but quote unquote, dad made it clear that it wasn't an option. That's 
I like, I clench my butthole, and it's not even my dad saying that. So can, it's not even my butthole. It's not even my butt. Like, but it just sounds so and like aggressive. Like, All right, that is not an option. Okay, Dad. Like, fuck. Okay. Okay. So after Mama left, CL was like, "Wow, all my daughters." are just musically talented, mm-hmm. I guess could say. Um, so he hired a piano teacher because that's what their mother was really good at. Yeah, so hey, uh, they're probably going to be good at piano yeah. and singing like their mom. And Aretha was so shy that she'd hide behind when her teacher when her teacher came in. Yeah. And she only wanted to play with her mother, which hmm. totally get. Yeah, know? yeah. Playing piano is hard enough. Yeah. Um, can I hide behind my mommy while I do it? Yeah. But when the teacher wasn't there, and when they didn't have a house full of celebrities, like MLK, or like Nat King Cole, or like Otis Redding just coming around. Could like whenever she, I know. When it was just her and her downtime, she loved to play. She, she learned to play by ear, like almost perfectly. And she would later say that um, she's glad that her father didn't force her to take the lessons from the piano teacher because she developed a deeper connection with the music, learning to play by ear, which I just think that is so beautiful. I think, like, to me, that's how I learned was playing by ear. And that's real fucking difficult. That sounds simple, but it's real difficult. But to get, to, <laughs> but to do it well. Yeah, I and imagine. to understand yeah. it. So when she was nine, her dad convinced little Riri to take on her first public singing performance. Hey, she's nine. She's got to start earning her bread and butter. Come <laughs> on. Stage moms. Yeah. Um, little Riri was so nervous that she was visibly shaking as she sang in front of a huge congregation at her dad's church. But after that sermon, everyone was talking about, who's that little girl? Who's that lady? Well, no, that's what everyone was like. How is she nine singing like a fucking 30-year-old woman? Sadly, just a few months after Aretha's triumphant debut, her mother died. That's Her mom was 34 and died of a heart attack. That makes me want to do some more cardio. Yeah. <laughs> makes me want to eat my vegetables. <laughs> right? Can you uh, imagine losing your mom that young? And to something that's like not... I don't know any 34-year-old that isn't a drug addict I lost, that's had a heart attack. Right? I lost my mother at 36, but her mother was 34. Right. <laughs> like, right. what the fuck? Can you imagine no. that? No. Aretha later said that she can't describe the pain of losing your mother at such a young age. And here's another thing that I thought was so interesting. CL sent the kids off to the funeral, but didn't attend himself. So that it's another thing that makes me think something was so fucked up in their relationship that he was like, I'm not going to attend the mother of my children's funeral. Because he knew that, again, I'm speculating, he knew that her family would be like, how dare you show your face here? That's yeah. me. That's again, I'm just speculating. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Jane Perlez 
longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. Aretha fell into a deep depression. As one might. Right. But she found comfort in singing sad blues, gospel type songs that you hear at church. I love that she had something to throw herself into. Yeah. Not everybody does. You need a way to express yourself. Yeah. Especially after something like that. Yeah. And maybe it was the only way that she was allowed to express herself. Or maybe it was like CL wasn't like the therapy kind of father. No, he was like, sing about it, baby. <laughs> it's the 1950s. I mean, <laughs> no, you're not going to therapy. We're gonna we're gonna sing it out. You're gonna make me some money. <laughs> oh, so tragic. Well, something that I think is interesting, CL. The reason he's so wealthy from being a preacher is he is one of the first ever pastors to put his sermons on vinyl and sell records so he's already kind of got his mind in this mind on his money and his money on his mind he's very much got his (laughs) mind on his money and his money on his mind and so he's already knows a little bit about the record industry and now he's got this daughter who's got the voice like of a goddess yeah i was was (laughs) gonna say unearthly but yeah like got this daughter with an unearthly voice so he's already thinking like so yeah sing sing it out sing it out no we're not going to therapy it's the 50s it doesn't (laughs) does therapy exist in the 50s i don't know yeah i did but it was not good yeah um but when aretha was just 12 she drops out of school and gives birth to her first child Oh, I hate this journey for her. I know, right? Again, even in her own biography, she just kind of glosses over the 12-year-old pregnancy thing. But it's just... uh, uh. You're 12. 12! (laughs) And I I don't want to mention the movie Respect too many times, because I think we're going to do a review of it on Patreon. But there's one scene where they just show a pregnant 12-year-old Aretha for like just half a second. And it's so unsettling. That's too young. That's a baby. That's too young to be having babies. Yeah, babies don't need to have babies. Babies don't need jobs and babies don't need babies. (laughs) Uh, You heard it first on Queen's Podcast. Controversial stance here. Um, (laughs) So she then has another baby two years later. Like mother of two. At 14. What? I didn't even get my first kiss until I was 13. I didn't get laid until I was 18. And I don't even know that I was necessarily mentally prepared for my first kiss when I was 13 either. Much less a baby. A baby. I, oh, the, it's, <laughs> it's sad that her all dad... All the feelings. All the feelings, but I don't, don't know what to say. Well, 
<laughs> it said that her dad was actually really supportive of her and like never made her feel like shit for getting pregnant young and like never. Well, because he got a 12 year old pregnant. Yeah, so it's because it would he's be like, yeah, oh, this is normal. Yeah, it'd be like the pot calling the kettle a rapist, you know? Like, <laughs> um, it's. I mean, it's, I shouldn't be laughing. But yeah, so like, but that's why he didn't have any leg to stand on about being overly like harsh on her for it because Mm. he'd he'd been through this journey already. (laughs) But he didn't force her to like marry the guy that got her pregnant. Yay. I don't know. (laughs) I'm trying to look at the bright side. (laughs) Um, Real quick and then we can move on. This is something I've thought about a lot. Aretha would go on to first be a famous gospel singer before becoming a hugely famous just regular regular pop singer. (laughs) Spoiler alert in case you don't know where the story is going. No one knew until like the 70s that she had these first two kids. That would never happen today. No, no. That would never, especially if she started in the gospel sphere, you know? Oh, hell. People would have been like, she had two children born out of wedlock. She can't do it. Yeah. (laughs) And so, like, it just blows my mind. It would never happen today because of social media Mm. and the way the celebrity culture is just so, so different. So that's just something that has been running around in my mind for the last month while I've been researching. Rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. So it's a, it's a little unclear who the father of these two kids were, you know, as an identity thing. Mm-hmm. And her personal life in general was kept pretty private in her early years. Yeah. So Aretha never in her life divulged who the father was. You know, there's rumors, of course, mm-hmm. but we don't know for sure, for sure. And we're not going to spend that much time speculating because guess what? That guy or guys aren't really part of her not fucking really. story. And we got a lot of other stuff to cover. Because she's goddamn Aretha Franklin. Because she's Aretha fucking Franklin and we got a lot of other ground to cover. <laughs> so let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> she was really making a name for herself as a gospel singer. The ripe old age of like 14. At 14. But no, she was like becoming famous in Detroit. Her dad took her on the road performing at different churches throughout the deep south she was starting to make a name for herself strictly gospel though and they record her first album at her dad's church i forgot i forget the name of it it's easy it's on amazon or spotify you can go look it up but it's literally just her at the church singing with like the congregation there listening to her and you can like hear people at the church being like mm-hmm and like preach and like one guy <laughs> one guy is like listen to her Listen to her. Like, he's so blown away. Like, <laughs> listen to her. I think he actually says, listen at her. Like, listen at her. And he's, he's just so blown away. He's like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've got a voice like that. At 14. Oh, listen at her, shit. indeed. Yeah. <laughs> she really wanted to be, even though she was doing, like, gospel, she really wanted to be doing more, like, modern shit. Pop music. She's a teenager. Yeah, she's like R&B, soul Huh? Soul kiss. <laughs> That's the name of the drink. But she she liked that R&B. She's a teenager. Yeah. When she told her dad, she was like, look, this has been fun, but I really want to be doing more contemporary music. Y'all, her dad just wanted her to be famous. So he was like, okay. And then like immediately the two of them moved to New York. Like the next day she was like, I want, I want to be doing pop music. And he was like, all right, let's go get you signed on a label in New York. And they like moved like. Not actually the next day, but like as fast as they possibly could, they moved to New York. So Aretha left her kids back in Detroit to like be raised by her grandmother. Mm -hmm. But again, this 
This is part of her private life. Can you like imagine being like, hey, let's just pack up and move your kids. Yeah. Like, bye children. Yeah, like she's 18 and her oldest child is six which is also very hard to digest. She doesn't talk about it. And again, maybe I'm projecting on her private life, but I have to imagine that wasn't, they didn't have FaceTime back then. You know? <laughs> that, that, that That's not a reach. <laughs> that, yeah, that's not something like they, she couldn't just talk to her kids whenever. So I'm just like, oh, I hate that. She just had to not be a part of her kids' lives for a while. I just have to imagine that that must have been difficult for her. Yeah, so when they got to New York, CL hires Aretha, a music teacher, to, like, fine-tune everything. And after one practice together, this guy goes, uh, CL, your daughter does not require my services. How badass. I know. (laughs) And this was, like, a famous music teacher that, like, studios hired, train their singers. She's so good. That like, she doesn't need this formal training. Yeah, he's just like, I can I there's nothing I can do here. I could take your money, but crazy. That is so cool. Like you know this this bitch is amazing. You, she's she was a <laughs> prodigy, basically. Yeah. Aretha immediately signs with Columbia Records. Like basically she walks in their door and they were like, Oh, please please take this contract. Oh honey. Oh, yeah. Honey. <laughs> but it ended up really not being a great fit. Her first album really didn't do anything. The synergy was off. Well, the thing, <laughs> yes, kind of. The thing is, and back then, if you were with a record company, you had to put out like three or four albums a year. Yeah. And so in the first few years, she put out like six albums and none of them really did anything, but it's like they didn't know what to do with her. They were like, well, let's on this one album, let's try like kind of like Dixie music. Let's try soul. Let's try gospel. Let's try pop all in the same album. And so it was impossible for her with all these different styles to find an audience. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, whenever you release an album, you need to have a theme. Yeah. And if your theme is gospel, pop, R&B, but it's like, where, find your lane, bitch. Yeah. And Columbia (laughs) did not know what to do with her. She did uh, have a couple of minor hits. Like, she had songs that, like, would make it in the top 40, but nothing that it's like, oh, that's the... That's the one. This is the moneymaker. Yeah. And it was that same year that our girl Riri met a man who pretty soon you are not going to like very much but she liked him very much um his name was ted (laughs) his name was ted ted white they'd actually they'd actually met before at one of her dad's parties for like all the movers and shakers in detroit (laughs) and when they met she was 18 and he was 30 but the first time they met she was like 10 Barf. Yeah, they, but they, they were not, they did not get romantically, I will, there are, I'm not going to say a bunch of positive things about Ted White, but he did not make a move on her until she was 18, so, thank cool. you. <laughs> uh, her family, most specifically her father, did not see this relationship that way at all. He was pissed. They viewed Ted as basically a star fucker who was only interested in Aretha's fame. Which... She wasn't famous yet, but he knew. She's going to be. (laughs) Um, There was one... I can put it in the show notes. I can't remember. One, like, music producer or something that had this quote about Ted White. And he was like, you would have to be blind to not see that Ted White was a pimp. And that's what he looked at Aretha like. Oh, this is my moneymaker. Uh, and the th- thing that I find that's so interesting. Why we don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're going to dislike him for more reasons. <laughs> the thing I find interesting is how much Aretha's dad 
and Ted hated each other. They seem like very similar people to me. That's probably why they hated each other. Yeah, yeah. Usually, and that's probably why Aretha liked Ted so much. Yup. Yeah, but her dad and her husband butted heads. Like, well, to say they butted heads would be a extreme understatement. Um, they did not like each other. They did not like each other. <laughs> the two had one son together, also named Ted. 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 Let's take a quick break and top off our drinks. How does that sound? Golden. Golden. Like the girls. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back, guys. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Hello, everyone. Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. So, we're back. And now, let's get back to Aretha's career. Back, 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 back again. Yes, because <laughs> in her mind, she's like, okay, I have found this man that worships me, and he supports me, and he's going to help me get my career where I want it to go. Yeah, and she cannot believe for one single second that he has any sort of, like, ulterior motives mm -hmm. besides his, like, love and devotion for her. And uh, you, you remember she's, like, 18. And poor baby. Like, yeah, poor <laughs> sweet baby. Sweet baby Aretha. Aretha. <laughs> Riri. Things, like we said, they're not really working out at her current record label. So they cut ties on good terms. And what Aretha doesn't know is that there's this producer with this new record label named Atlantic Records. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of it. Yeah, there was this producer there that had literally been stalking Aretha's career, waiting for her to be a free agent. And his name is Jerry Wexler. Yeah, he's a legend in the music industry. Mm -hmm. um, he may have signed some people that you <laughs> probably have heard of. Maybe. Uh, uh, Ray Charles. Oh. Uh, Liv Zeppelin. Oh. And Bob Dylan. Oh. <laughs> what we're getting at is that when he saw talent in an artist... His record label usually was like, okay, I, we trust you to do what you got to do to make this. He was looking for Aretha, and whenever she got free, 
he moved in on her. Mm-hmm. Story goes that like this radio DJ, the one that gave Aretha the name uh, Queen of Soul, they were friends, and he called her up. He called up Jerry and was like, "You got to make your move on Aretha now." Her her contract went out this morning. Call her today. And Wexler <laughs> was like, "I'm on it." You know, <laughs> got it, got it. Okay, okay. He was little John. <laughs> okay. So Aretha is like a free agent, so obviously you need to make your fucking move. Mm-hmm. And Aretha's like super excited because she felt like Jerry Wetzler was going to listen to her, help her find her audience, grow, and. Was excited, but also demanded that he had to be at every single recording and more or less had a final word in pretty much everything that she did. Red flag, red flag, red flag. (laughs) What? Uh, Aretha don't see no red (laughs) (laughs) flag. She didn't. The studio that Wexler had come. So he worked for Atlantic, but they were usually out of New York, but he had found this studio in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, that he was convinced was the exact right feel. And he was just like, magic is going to happen at this studio down in Alabama. In Muscle Shoals. Muscle Shoals. (laughs) Which I only know of that city because it's in Sweet Home, Alabama. Sweet Home, Alabama. Alabama. We told you this was going to be a musical version. I mean, (laughs) long-time listeners, they know. (laughs) They know. Ted really wasn't down to go to the Deep South. Again, I mean, I don't blame him for if that. If you're African American at the time, you don't want to go yeah. down south. Aretha didn't really seem to have any problems with it because remember she did touring of the Deep South during her early gospel days. And for those that don't know, they don't like the Deep South because racist. Yeah, if you're <laughs> if you're not familiar with a bunch of American history, um, early to mid '60s and the Deep South wasn't always like a cash money place to go as a black person. It's- you can't blame Ted for having reservations. Yeah. But Aretha really didn't seem concerned, and so they went. Caveat that I didn't know where else to put this, but could be important later. Can you say caveat? Caveat? What, caveat. Uh, no, I, I like it better the way caveat. you Caveat! <laughs> um, Ted was starting to form a serious drinking problem. Ooh. Maybe that'll be important. So they get down there and start recording an album, and from the first track, it's magic. It really was. It was just like the band had no idea who she was. And so they're just kind of like fucking around, just like, oh, some some new like flavor of the week is in to record something. Ugh. But like she sits down at the piano and starts singing and immediately it's vibes. They're like, oh, fuck. No, they brought us someone legit today. And like the band is vibing with Aretha. Aretha is vibing with them. It's like the first time that she's had a studio recording where people were, like, really getting what she was trying to do. Yeah. Like, do you remember, like, Amy Winehouse. Whenever she did her first album and she went into the recording studio and just started singing, they were like, okay, that's all you need to do. Yeah. (laughs) We got got a hit on our hands. You're amazing. Love ya. Yeah. Like, it was the same sort of vibe. It was electric. The musicians were, like, taking cues from her. And like a true diva. Uh, yes. <laughs> she was running this. It was probably one of the first times that she felt like people were really like her voice was being heard creatively. And like from the moment she started singing, it was just vibes, vibes, 
studio magic. You know, everybody was getting along. Everybody was just doing their best. And it was chef kiss, you know? (laughs) So the first song they recorded was this title track, I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You. And I mean... If y'all want to pause, go listen to it. We are encouraging. Yes. Because such a beautiful that and heartbreaking song. Voice. Oh, my ah, God. Ah, no, y'all. I know. <laughs> they said that they all knew what they were working on was going to be, like, something incredible from the beginning. Because, like, everyone's killing it. Everyone's given 200%. Vibes, 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 vibes. Vibes, vibes, vibes. <laughs> except, vibes on vibes. Oh. Except Ted. Fucking Ted. Ted sat there and drank all day and just walked around trying to like micromanage. That's annoying. There was there was Wexler who was the producer and then there was this guy Hall who owned the studio. And so if anybody's walking around trying to micromanage, it's this other guy Hall that owns the studio. Is he any relation to Todrick Hall? You don't know. Anything. I don't know. Uh-huh. Taj Mahal? <laughs> I'm not. Yes. 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 Hall also didn't like anybody drinking, but it was sort of like just (laughs) too late. (laughs) Yeah. It was just sort of like, don't fucking it. It's a thing if you mention the drinking. So just let it go. So it won't be a thing. And it mm, mm, foreshadowing. And what happens next is a wee bit confusing. Because drunk people don't tell stories in um, a manner that makes sense a lot of the time. Yeah, it's like, and then I forgot what happened, (laughs) and then... But I was mad. I woke up, and I was screaming at someone. Yes. Um, But he was drunk. Mm -hmm. uh, Very drunk. And Ted says that he's drinking with one of the guys in the band, and they used a racial slur, which... Not cool. Not cool. Not cool. Like, we, we are on board with Ted being pissed that this guy used a racial Get slur. Get it, Ted. So he goes to Wexler, and Wexler was like, look, if this was my studio and it was one of my guys, I'd fire him right off the bat. But <laughs> I don't own this studio. Yeah. I am not Karen in this Karen yeah. fantasy. So they just kind of left it at that. And, but like Aretha's too busy to know this drama is happening at all. She's over there making music history. She's just being a legend. She's being a legend and she does not even have any idea that there's trouble. Though I don't think she'd be surprised because at this point her and Ted have already started to have a bumpy relationship. And she knows that he drinks too much and starts shit. So I think she probably wouldn't be surprised. But she, all she knows is vibes. She doesn't know that drama's going on. So after the set is over, everyone goes back to their hotel and they keep drinking Mm because, I mean, you just finished a set. so And alcohol's delicious. That's what you do. Yeah. And Wexler and the studio owner, Rick Hall, go to one of their rooms to toast champagne after they record, because they're like, let's just fucking celebrate. We made made something. They already know they've made something awesome that day. Exactly. And a little bit later, Ted White calls and is like, hey, me and Aretha are leaving tonight. And they're like, who? Uh, What? What? Uh, (laughs) The album not done yet. What you leaving? What you talking about? What you talking about, Willis? Ted. And Ted's and Ted is like, y'all are a bunch of racists. I'm not going to subject my wife to this bullshit anymore. Everybody took a collective guess. Yes. (laughs) Wexler and Hall go down to Ted and Aretha's room, being like, "Let's. This is a misunderstanding." Let's do damage control. In retrospect, Hall said, I wish I hadn't done this under the influence. 
Remind you, everybody, Ted's been drinking since like noon. Hall and Wexler have been drinking for a couple of hours in the room. All Wexler, Ted White, and Rick Hall, none of them have the same story of what happened. Shady Lady University. Yeah. <laughs> And Aretha has never, like, publicly made a statement about what went down either. But a huge, drunken fight broke out between Hall and Ted. One of them said Aretha locked herself in the bathroom. Another one of them said that she was trying to break up the fight. All Aretha has ever said is that she remembers some kind of kerfuffle going on. Kerfuffle. She, that's not that's my word not hers but all she's ever said is like oh, i think i remember them fighting but eh. obviously it was a bigger deal than she's letting on yeah uh, it was just a drunken mess one of their stories even involve uh, somebody broke out a gun okay aretha she's a bad bitch the, well i don't think aretha broke out the gun no no i don't think so but she but had how guns. cool would it have been if like she was just like, kicked I'm... down the door and showed up with her pistol and she was like men shut up like, r-e-s-b-e-c-t <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things and that's where the song respect came and from that's... <laughs> so anyway that's how the song respect was written <laughs> so the next morning aretha and ted were gone gone and this was Probably not the first time she realized that the man that she was married to was not Mr. Perfect. She knew he was trouble that day. Anyway. (laughs) Wexler, at this point, fucking panicked. Like, he's like, oh, shit, Aretha's not returning my calls. He's put all this time and money and, like, had his, his record label trust him. And now she's just, like, ghosting him. I'd be be a little nervous, too. (laughs) I love this for you. Um, she was kind of like ghosting everyone though. Uh, yeah. At that point. Um, personally, I think she was embarrassed as hell that all these grown ass men in her life are like acting like hooligans. I mean, to be honest, she probably wanted to make them sweat a little. Yeah. She probably, her part of her ghosting strategy was like, you know what? He can't make the album if I don't go and make the album. Yeah. Yeah. She's got a hit album. She can't finish that album without them. They can't finish it without her. So she knows I've got the upper hand in this shit. Right. So the Rolling Stone article that we read to study for this put it perfectly. The only major player in Muscle Shoals who did not fuck up was Franklin. Mm-hmm. White fucked up. Oh, that's a deep state. Um, Hall fucked up Even Wexler fucked up Not Franklin Mm -mm. Thanks Mm -mm. bitch So yeah I think she was making them all sit in the corner And think about what they've done (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what was said between her and her husband But when she finally did answer One of the Wexler calls And agreed to go in And she was like okay I'm gonna finish this album But Ted can't come with me (laughs) Ted, Ted did not accompany her on finishing this album. Maybe there was a little trauma. Oh, but I bet that was a fight. Yeah. For sure. But like a month later, a month after Kerfufflegate. Kerfufflegate. Uh, <laughs> they finally picked up recording the album, but this time in New York. She was like, I'm not going back to Alabama. Just bring the band here, which I think is interesting. She was like, no, bring the entire band from Alabama here. And they're like, even the guy that maybe said the racist thing that 
Ted got pissed off about, and she was like, I said the entire band. Bring them here. She didn't want I any, love her. She didn't want anything to mess up that vibe that they were having. So maybe either she didn't believe he said the racist thing, or maybe she was like, oh, let me cry about his racist statements all the way to the bank in this, like, hit record I know we're making, you know? And they start up again, and Aretha is also like, because, you know, she's been doing live tours, and there was this one song that she, a cover, that she'd been doing live for years. She was like, I want to do this cover. Um, it's an Otis Redding cover. I want my sister to do the backing vocals because they've been like my backing vocal band. Forever. And Wexer was literally like, oh my God, whatever you want to do, just get your ass in the studio. Right. And guess what that cover song was? Tell me what that cover song was. Um, it's the song by Otis Redding. Mm-hmm. And it's called Respect. I. Uh, a feeling that you've heard this song before. You ever listen to the two songs back to back? No. I think you should when we're done. Because, I mean, obviously the Otis Redding version is... It's Otis Redding. It's he's good. He's 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 um you a know jazz singer. he's famously pretty good. Um, <laughs> but the Aretha song is so much more. It's just so much better. <laughs> like it's just. I mean, when you hear this, like if somebody would say "Sing Respect," you'd be like, "No oh, one's Aretha no one's Franklin. singing no one's singing the Otis Redding." Yeah, version. exactly. Yeah. So she added these elements to it that just brought this already well performing song just to another fucking level and then having her sisters sing in the back and one thing i didn't know you know the part that goes re 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 respect just a little bit her nickname re re did i just blow your mind did i just blow your mind and her sisters are and it's her sisters ah okay hold on we're gonna take a brief pause nathan's brain is not collected now it is. <laughs> Isn't that the fucking cutest thing you've ever heard? It made so much sense. Is now. it? And it's her sisters. I love that. I could literally spend a whole episode talking about how the cultural importance of this song. It was so important because, like, civil rights movement was going on. Also, the feminist movement movement was going on. And this song was a black woman standing. In no uncertain terms, saying, you're going to respect me. Love it. And it resonated with every single, even people that weren't part of either of those movements. You can't listen to that song and not boogie a little. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a little boogie for Uh, you. It's a hit. So in March of 1967, the album titled... I never loved a man the way I loved you um, (laughs) was released. And y'all, massive hit. Um, the Queen has arrived. She has. 1967 is such a huge year oh, yeah. for music. Yeah. Um, I won't go down the rabbit hole that she I want will. to. She will. She will. Maybe on Patreon <laughs> I'll go down the rabbit hole I want to. But I just want to set the stage for, this is the year Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band came out. This is the year Jimi Hendrix's Are You Experienced came out. Pink Floyd's First album came out. Katie has got a full-on music boner. I've got such a music boner for 1967. (laughs) Every single genre had just like a huge, massive hit this year. And for soul, R&B, pop, it was Aretha. Yeah, and this album 
resonated. Like, so many people. Mm -hmm. So many different graphics. This is huge. It is huge! (laughs) And the song, R-E-S-B-E-C-T, broke through as both a call to the civil rights movement and a call to the women's liberation movement. Because you're going to respect me. And sometimes you just need a bitch to boss you around and it feels good. I know. <laughs> I I just think it's so interesting. Again, my music nerd background is... My music boner is here. No, so if you listen to the original, just, the, just some of the little differences she makes from the Otis Redding version, it puts... Women. In 1967, women weren't necessarily breadwinners in any way, shape, or form. But this song is a woman being like, talking about my money. Like in um, the Otis Redding song, he says, "Girl, little girl, your kisses are sweet like honey, and I'm going to give you all my money. And so she changes the lyrics to, ooh, your kisses are sweet like honey. But guess what? So is my money. Oh, 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 oh. And women aren't viewed as breadwinners until, like, I I just, ooh. The right time, the right Right moment. The right place. Yes, yes. Like, she resonated. What we're getting at is it was a huge cultural hit. When Otis Redding heard her version, he just turned to his producer and went, well, damn, that's not my song anymore, is it? (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, no, sorry about it. It is not. So, Riri never, like we said, discussed her politics openly. But whenever she was asked, she'd be like, hey, how do you feel about this song being so important in the feminist movement? She'd be like, I don't think I was the catalyst for the women's movement, but if I was, then so be it. (laughs) Pretty much. Okay. (laughs) She's like, I'm not mad at it. The next two years, hit after hit, actually, like the next six years, hit after hit after hit. She became so famous that when she went to perform at a concert in Amsterdam, it was compared to Beatlemania. We've all seen those videos. Oh my God, oh my God, it's the Beatles. That's like the same that. kind of reception she got in Amsterdam. Yes, That's how cute she was. Yes. yes. Damn right. She's the queen of fucking soul, y'all. So in these next two years is when she put out the hits that I just love so much. One of them is... Chain, chain, chain. Chain, chain, chain. Chain of food. Chain of food. Also, I say a little prayer for, for you. Forever and ever, you stay in my heart and I will love you. Sorry. So, so you get so, it. I'm sorry. We're sorry. <laughs> and also the hit. Son of a preacher man, only one could ever teach me was the son, son of a preacher, preacher man. man. So <laughs> let's just say, son of a preacher man, you know she's killing it. Yeah, <laughs> she is killing it so hard. I, again, I wish we had. I wish we had BBC money because if we worked at the BBC, we could just play these songs for you. But unfortunately, we are poor and um, we don't have that BBC money. We're peasants, so you just we do, we are peasants, so you just have to put up with us singing at you. Anyway, love you. Love you. <laughs> but she really wasn't like coping great with this whole overwhelming superstardom situation. Well, it happened overnight. She I went from. Be. Yeah. I wouldn't be okay with it. I'd and be like, ooh. <laughs> we both are like, well. <laughs> I mean, she wanted to be a star, but I think she thought it would happen gradually. No, it happened. It happened overnight. And that... Scary. That, yeah, that, yeah, you go from a private citizen to suddenly... Everybody wants to talk to you. Yeah. I, I, I have social anxiety. 
So, so yeah, that would be a thing where See, it's like walking out of your door and that's they're the like, Nathan, it's that's like, the fun thing up. about podcasting. Like, shut up. That's the fun <laughs> thing about podcasting is that um, even if we became the most famous podcasters in the world, no one knows what you fucking look like. Love it. Love it. <laughs> But no, so she starts drinking to deal with the anxiety oh, and cope. Oh, poor Riri. I know. And, you know, the fact that she, at this point that she hated her husband probably also didn't help with anything. Yeah, because he was a drinker, too. Yeah. So she probably had She access. was probably trying to, like, match him, you know? And so Ooh. they were probably getting drunk together. Never match a drunk. No. <laughs> And one time in the middle of a performance in Georgia in like 1968 or 69, I think, she was so drunk she fell off the stage. Oh, really? She broke her arm. She told everybody that like the light, like the spotlight hit her and she couldn't see and she stumbled off the stage. I think the public took it, but like everybody behind, everybody in her crew was like, well, I'm but sure. Like, I've been drinking. Yeah, I've like, been drinking. They're like, oh, the light? I love the whiskey. You know, like. <laughs> um, so in 1968, the Franklin family friend, MLK J, MLK Jr., Martin Luther King Jr., if you don't know. Um, um, he was assassinated in Memphis. And yeah. The, I didn't know this. It makes sense, but I didn't know there were riots oh, after yeah. his death. Mm-hmm. I that part that they skimmed over in public school here in Texas. I guess oh, surprise. surprise. I mean, it fucked Aretha up for a while. I, it should. I mean, I it's, mean, one, it's a family friend, and two, it's a, a huge public figure. Yeah, and like icon to a movement that means a lot to you. And yeah, and Aretha sang at his funeral, and super moving. Mm-hmm. And you should get the link. Yeah, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the link to a YouTube video in the show notes if you want to go watch her sing at MLK's funeral. It's very touching. Yeah, sad. but later that year. Aretha released this song called Think. You, do you know? You better think. Think. Think about what, what you're trying, trying to do to me. It's slightly more political. Like, it's not straight out, straight out a political song, but it's more political than a lot of the other things that she put out just being like, y'all, y'all, y'all need to fucking think about what you're well, doing. Well, I mean, she's being as political as a black woman can be. That, you know, time. might be afraid of getting shot. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's right, <laughs> right. But it's, um, it's another hit, obviously. In that same year, 1968, Time Magazine wanted to put Aretha on the cover, which, pitch, please, um, put me on. Cover of Time. Put me on the cover what magazine? A time. <laughs> she was pumped. I never want to assume that people from other countries know American culture, um, but Time Magazine is a big deal. Yeah. Being like, on the cover of Time. <laughs> and what, what time is it? Mm-hmm. My time. As, oh, yes! <laughs> I... That was perfect, Nathan. We did not plan that. We are just that good. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) In the write-up, though, they talked about Aretha's rocky marriage, which she was not into. They, it literally said, the article literally said, quote, Ted White roughed her up in public. They talked about, apparently, the two of them got in a fight in a hotel lobby one time, and he... Roughed her up is all they went into. Which sounds like uh, domestic violence. Yes. <laughs> and it also <laughs> not said... Not cool. Not cool. And it also ha- had like an anonymous quote in it saying like, I don't think she's happy. Someone is making her sing the blues. And, what? And well, it's probably it's, it's all accurate. True. 
But she was she was thinking that it was going to be an all positive write up, and oh. she was pissed when pissed. it came out. You're discussing my private life in the biggest magazine, and the like. She thought it was just going to be about the music, and so when they touched, well, her, I mean, it made sense. I mean, I would think the same way if I was her. Was it true though? No. Yes, Nathan, her husband uh, did rough her up. Fuck. We would we would like to think it wasn't true, but he was true, he was getting drunk, and at this point, their relationship was so bad that yeah, he was hitting her in public and stuff. So after that, Aretha is fucking. Done. Done. With the media. Done. Don't want to talk to you. Don't want to give you information. Mm -mm. From then on, she's like, no press, no pictures, no... No autographs. No. She was done talking to the press. And from here on, to the rest of her life, really, she had the reputation of being very much aloof with the press and kind of a diva. She was absolutely fine with being called a diva. She was like, that suits me very well. Just Thank you. Um, yeah. Then, in 1969, she divorced Ted. Boy, bye. It was the summer of 69. Summer of 69. I divorced my husband. I'm and gonna I... leave the asshole. <laughs> and over the next two years, Aretha was a hit making muck. Shane. And she describes this time after her divorce as a time for a huge amount of emotional growth, both as a person and as an artist. Beautiful. Love. Beautiful. Love. Uh, the next year, she started a new relationship with her road manager, a guy named Ken Cunningham. And they pretty much immediately had a baby together. Yeah, that baby came so quick after her divorce. Like, I don't even know if her divorce was legal yet by the time she was pregnant. That, like, I don't think it was planned. And she didn't She didn't have time for a break. It was like, go, 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 go. With emotional, personal, and professional stuff. Oh, and I'm sure after that point, she's like... I don't want to talk to anybody. She needs, she needs time to recover, you know? She had a baby. Yeah. And so she kind of starts ghosting people a little bit. And Wexler would later say, no one used the term mental breakdown, but we knew. And I'm like, bitch, she just made a person's body with her body. Give her some time off. Like, give- She needs some PTO. Yes. Oh, my God. She just birthed a child. I like, like I, I would have an emotional breakdown. Yes. <laughs> and it's just, and we're not even talking like postpartum depression. Either. Which she may have had as well. And but if like, she had it, fuck right off. She had a human being. I know. Like, I just like even reading that Rolling Stone article again, we'll link to it in the show notes. But that's like kind of like the main piece that we use to because Aretha's uh, autobiography is out of print. I couldn't. Get it anywhere. That's yeah, I don't even in that they were, which was written in like 2018. It was like, oh, she went quiet after that next baby. And it's like, yeah, bitch, maybe she would. Like, <laughs> why would give you? her that option? I just really think that the music industry at this time was so toxic. Like, put maybe putting out four albums in a year might be too much. Well, I understand because, like, in the music industry, they had the summer of 69. Yeah. And they were like, you've got to create music to stay, to stay relevant. To, yeah. Because yeah. 69 was another huge year for music, yeah. which I won't, y- y'all know. Um, but in 1970, Aretha put out a record called Spirit in the Dog. 
Um, <laughs> the sales were <laughs> but huge personal triumph for her. Like when people look back at her career now, it's um, even though it wasn't a huge hit at the time, people now are like, oh, this was her experimental phase. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's like Christina Aguilera with Gertie. Like it's darker. <laughs> I'm super familiar, but <laughs> wanna get dirty, wanna get a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit more risque, a little bit more personal, yeah. But shows what she's going through, yes, who she is. I know people have mixed mixed emotions about about Pitchfork, but I just really, really loved this quote from a Pitchfork um, review of the album. Obviously, many, many years later, but it says it's her truest record. It captures her essential ache, the pain of a black woman clamoring for freedom from the domineering men who suffocated her childhood and manipulated her career. Okay. That is, you know, I don't, like, I, if her... Clap if I, for the kids. If I were her, I don't even think I would be mad that the sales weren't great. If so long as you are getting your... Message. Your raw emotion out there. Yeah, your message came across. Yeah. Fuck it, I don't care. So the next year, she put out the gospel album called Amazing Grace, mm-hmm. which we all know that song. Back to her roots. So she's taking chances. Yeah. She's rolling the dice. And what she puts out, and it was a huge creative success. Uh, Mick Jagger attended the recording of that. So, like... I've got moves like Mick Jagger. Uh, yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Wait, isn't that like a maroon? It's moves like Jagger, not Mick Jagger, but... Oh, yeah. No. I got moves like, like Jagger. Jagger. Yeah. I got moves like Jagger. But, like, that just shows you that, like, even though... Gospel isn't a traditionally like top of the pops thing. There, top the of other, the pops. The other <laughs> artists that were huge at the time were really supporting her, her going off in a different direction, and it was yeah. really groovy. So she wasn't top of the pops, but after yeah. that, you know, her star kind of started to fade a little bit. Her golden years. And she was not a golden girl. She was, yeah. Her golden years were behind her, but she still did okay. She's Aretha fucking Franklin. Of course, she still did okay on the charts. But the mid sixties to early seventies were really her. Most of the songs you know by her are from that era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's around this time that Aretha started to fight mental illness, and again, she's never spoken about it much. But what we know is that she was having horrible nightmares, admitted to a hospital. Girl, I understand. Can you just imagine, like, all these magazine stories running about you? Could you you? imagine having mental problems and just, it's the media won't leave you the fuck alone about it. Like I said, I already have social anxiety. And whenever the media is talking about my anxiety, it's like... When has the media talked about your anxiety, Nathan? Today. (laughs) Today. Right now. It's happening right now. Right now. <laughs> no, but she actually called up Jet Magazine, which again, if you're not in America, it's a magazine that is more about uh, black culture and black celebrity, which she would do so many times in her life. Anytime another outlet would run something negative about her, she would call up Jet and be like, I need you to post something. Or that post, is I need not, you to print something about like how good I'm doing. That is not a bad media strategy. It's really not, though I have to wonder if the people at Jet, whenever they're like, Aretha's calling, everyone's like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> she needs like, a makeover. Okay, Aretha, what do you need us to spend this time? <laughs> uh, how much of, like, if you get a call from Aretha. <laughs> also. <laughs> you're like, yeah. okay, Aretha. Aretha could, okay, Aretha could call me. Yeah, she's fine. Aretha. Yeah. <laughs> she can do whatever she wants. The next few years were like a lot of ups and downs for her. She had been in New York for years and years and years. She moves to California. Breaks up with her boyfriend. Marries an actor named Glenn Kerman. Yes, her dad officiates this wedding, which makes me think he liked him more than Ted. Ted. I looked up Glenn (laughs) Terman, and he has a long history. Have you ever, have you, most recently, have you seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom? He's one of the band members. He's one of like the older guy band members. Yeah, and I read that about her is that she got a lot of inspiration from Ma Rainey. Yeah. Um, He was also in Gremlins. Like Gizmo? It made me think of your dog Gizmo. Gizmo, Our younger listeners listeners are like, what the fuck is Gremlins? Um, (laughs) No, the way that they met I thought was really cute. So one of Aretha's sons, I'm not really sure which one, I think one of her sons that she had much younger... Knew that Aretha loved Glenn. Just thought he was the handsomest actor he'd ever seen. And so Glenn is one day backstage at a performance like one of his friends is doing. And Aretha's also playing at the same event. And the little boy's running around and like bumps into Glenn and is like, Hey, my mama loves you. And he's like, okay, who's your mom? And he's like... Aretha Franklin, do you want to meet her? And he's like, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, why? Yes. (laughs) And yeah, they were married not super long after. Oh, so she told Jet Magazine how happy she was. And I don't know why they were like... Her go-to hype man. Like, really? I need you to talk up how happy this marriage is. But the marriage wasn't perfect. Mm -mm. And the two struggled. Like, over, like whose career should take precedence, you know, like that. I've heard, I've heard about a lot of actors' um, marriages where they're both performers, where it'll be like, okay, when I have... A, this project. You take time off, and when you have this project, I, I take, take time, time off. off. They didn't make that agreement, and they... And Glenn resented... He was not into being Mr. Franklin, basically. Oh, which, that's a sh- shame. If you are married to Aretha, you are a Franklin. You should be very... Thank you. Please and thank you for letting me be Mr. Franklin. So, in 1979, Aretha had been performing, and when she got off stage, people were like, Okay, we got some bad news. Um, Your dad has been at home in Detroit, and some people tried to break into his house, and he tried fighting them off, but he was shot. Ugh. Hospital. Coma. Not good. Bad times. He remained in a coma until 1984. Five years in a coma. I didn't know. They, I I thought. <laughs> One more time, Dave. I didn't know. I thought that they'd just be like, after like a year, it's like. What? Coma? Why are we still doing this? Isn't this like a comma where you can just move on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Well, like, so after her dad went into this coma, she went into panic mode. She moved back to Detroit. She moved into her dad's house. She started rallying around her family. She decided, actually, my top priorities right now are my community here in Detroit and in honor of my father getting my career back on path. 
and I, I need to take over some of like the administration at my dad's church. I need to take over his legacy. I need to do all this. And her husband did not. He didn't want to. He didn't want to move to Detroit. He was an actor. No. What's he going to do in Detroit? Like drive a car. It did not work. And yeah, her marriage didn't fit into this new plan she had for her life. So there is this one wild, rumor, wild, rumor. wild that I can't find any like reputable sources. I found for. a message board that if anybody wants to go into like some really. Tr- Trashy, trashy celebrity gossip. You can. So the rumor, there's an old ass rumor that Aretha caught Glenn while in bed with one of her sons. What? (sighs) Somebody on the message board I was in was like, that rumor is so old that it qualifies for AARP or something like that. Yes, (laughs) queen. I mean, her older sons would have been like full grown adults. So that, I mean, it could kind of work, but that's so awkward. I know. I don't give a whole lot of credence to this rumor because even though they divorced in 1984, they remained friends for the rest of their lives. So why? And I mean, if I caught, I don't think that that's something that like a friendship comes back from. No, no. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'll, yeah, I'll put the link to the message board in the show notes if you guys are interested. It's garbage. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, in 1984, when her dad died, the funeral, huge fucking deal. One of the largest funerals in Detroit history. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse Jackson spoke and called CL a prophet. Huge deal. Huge PR moment for CL. Even though he slept with us. Yeah, you know. We're going to gloss over that one. Yeah. Um, Jesse, Jesse Jackson did not bring that up in the ceremony. <laughs> so Aretha changed management, as you would, mm-hmm. um, in hopes to like reestablish, revive mm-hmm. all of her career. And in the 80s, she put out this very... Her, her, her... I feel like her music in the 80s, they were trying to make her so relevant and so contemporary. But her voice... But vo- she lost her, her voice. Her voice isn't contemporary. No. You know? Her it's voice, soul. It's... Her voice transcends trends, you know? Yeah. Soul will carry on for yeah. hundreds of years, whereas 80s music only happened in the 80s. This is the point in her life when she really got the reputation as, like, a not easy to work with diva because she did not care for criticism or critique in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and if any producer tried to give her notes, she'd just be like, bye. But, oh, <laughs> oh, you don't want me to make this album? Okay, I'm okay, just leaving. I'm and they'd be like, um, no, we, I, I just wanted you to come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Luther Vandross... Don't know if you've heard of him. Maybe you've heard of him. Um, He wrote a few songs for her, and he told a story that anytime that he'd give a note to her, she'd scream at the top of her lungs, If you think you can do better, then you sing the damn thing. Can you imagine being screamed at by Aretha Franklin? If if she was like, if you can do better, then sing it, I'd be like, No, Aretha, you sing it. No, (laughs) ma'am. I cannot sing any better. No ma'am, no ham, no collard greens, no cornbread, <laughs> no black eyed peas, no nothing. Please continue. Sing for me. Also, <laughs> in this time, there are stories of her, like, recording. She got, and we'll go into it in the Patreon episode, um, but she got really competitive with other female singers of the time. And so if she recorded a duet with a female singer, 
she would like later come back to the studio and have the engineers re-record her tracks and her like I overdo it and like love the diva. I, I love the diva. Like if you have that voice, then you better be able to yeah sing that voice, bitch. I yeah, like I said in Patreon, we're gonna talk about her infamous feuds she had with other singers. She supposedly had beef with long, long, long beef with Dion Warwick. Patty LaBelle. Oh, I can see it. Patty LaBelle. Even Beyonce she had some beef with. <laughs> I mean, the only person that can put Beyonce in check is Aretha Franklin. <laughs> right. And it's so it's so petty too. And I just I I love I love it. It's Tom Petty. It's like Beyonce was introducing Tina Turner, who Aretha Franklin has a feud with, at the Grammys, and she was like, give it up for the Queen. And so the next day, Aretha like put out a statement being like, I don't know who who in Beyonce's camp I pissed off. I just want y'all to know that I am the queen. Yes. (laughs) Like, I love you, Aretha. But we'll talk more about that on Patreon. So in the 80s, she was also in this movie, Blues Brothers, which maybe some of the very younger audience hasn't discovered that yet. No, I've never seen I've, I've never seen Blues Brothers, have you? I've seen it. Okay. It's good. It, okay. It's just music. Yeah, okay. I just You'd I like know it. I know a lot of comedies from the 80s you watch now and you go, "Oof." That's problematic. That there's a lot so like I was hesitant to watch it and I actually asked our Instagram audience, like, should I watch this? And it was split 50-50. It was like, yes or no. So. <laughs> and also, none of, this was like two months ago, and none of them knew it was a hint. <laughs> oh, wow. It was a deep cut. Deep uh, cut. Deep. So, the 80s were a tough decade mm-hmm. for her. Um, she lost her father, got divorced. Two of her siblings died, Carolyn and Cecil. And over the last few years, her brother Cecil had been the manager of her career, her best friend. So obviously when she lost her brother, that was like a huge blow to her. And then when she lost, he was also her manager. It was a professional blow to her. So I wouldn't, she was depressed a little bit, but she she had a right to be depressed. Naturally. (sighs) She also was in, in 1984, the same year her dad died. She was in a plane that almost crashed. Ooh. She lived, That's a nightmare that mm, I, I've had. Yes. <laughs> she lived another 34 years, never set foot on a plane. Good for her. That She still toured. So that must have made, I guess she never did. We're over getting s- on a bus, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got to go to the Grammys in a different state. All right, I'm taking a car. Let's get, let's get a bus. Yeah, so I guess she never did touring outside of North America then. I mean, wouldn't you be traumatized? Like, yeah. I wonder. My like, dad just died and then I almost died. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe that's a sign. Maybe that's a sign. <laughs> yeah. So she did start another relationship. Dot, dot, dot. Maybe. Maybe. Um, for the rest of her life, she was either in a relationship or just really good friends with a retired firefighter, which that sounds fun. Mm. <laughs> His name was Willie Wilkerson. Oh, I, I bet he's got a big Willie. Wilkerson. <laughs> I think that's the cutest thing. Willie Wilkerson. But yeah, they were, her and Big Willie, uh, (laughs) were together in some capacity or another for the rest of his life or the rest of her life. Like some people said that they got engaged and then called it off, but he was her companion. 
in one way or the other. Love that. I love her and Big Willie. And didn't really have any more hits past the 80s. Like, she kind of went silent. Yeah. You know? She, I mean, she was still a strong force in the music She's business. She's a Franklin. Yeah. <laughs> 1994, she was honored with a Kennedy Center Award. I love this story. In 1998, when she performed at the Grammys, opera singer pa- Pavarotti, is that how you say it? Pavarotti. Pavarotti was also supposed to perform. Pavarotti had been fighting a cold in the last minute, and he's like, I can't. I, my voice is shit. I can't do it. And the producers of the Oscars are, like, scrambling. Like, who? Who can who can sing opera? Like, what are we going to do? And Aretha, I guess, is just, like, walking the fuck around. And she's like, what what song is it? And they're like, this opera song called Nessam Dorma. And she's just like, yeah, I, I can do it. Got that on check. I, yeah, I know that one. <laughs> Literally, this is less than an hour before a performance yes. at the Grammys. And she's just like... Yeah, I think I, I think I know that one. Mind you, opera, opera music, famously not easy to sing. No, I, I have sang <laughs> opera, not easy. Like, you just can't. <laughs> no, no, there's there's no auto tune involved. No, um, sadly, she goes out there, motherfucking kills it. She got the standing O, which is. People went nuts yes. for it. Yes. Yes. Huge win for Aretha. And we suggest that you go and watch this performance again. It's <laughs> just because it's so no one was expecting to see Aretha Franklin perform opera, opera that night. And even like Sting like introduces her and he's like, with a last minute change. Cause like literally an hour ago, she didn't know. So she hadn't been preparing. For this, she's just like very. She didn't do her vocal. She's very up. cash, just like MBD. I guess I'll sing. And after that, Aretha's public performance came a little less frequent. Yeah, I mean, when she stepped out, though, she stepped out. She sang "My Country Tis of Thee" at Obama's inauguration. I remember can, that. Can you imagine being from like like Martin Luther King was like your family friend growing up? And now you're singing at the first black president's inauguration. I, that's so beautiful. I, I bet she would. Yeah. She was just like, yes. Sign what? Me no, up. I bet she. I bet she was like, obviously, I'm singing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she had any anxiety if she'd be invited. I bet she was like, clear my schedule. I mean, Obama I'm sure there was me. a wee bit of anxiety being like, oh, I'm singing at the first black president's. But I just, it gives me chills thinking about how momentous that moment. Yeah, was she her. was on an emotional high. Do you remember the hat? Do you remember there were memes? She Jennifer? wore this oh, she wore this yeah. hat and there was like <laughs> memes about I think the hat I got know. its own Twitter account. Like I know what you're talking about, but it was so amazing. Yes, like, yes. I remember how popular it was. Yeah. I remember how much people were like, Aretha Franklin just tore the house down. Yes. Boots. In 2011, sadly, Aretha started to feel unwell. And canceled a bunch of upcoming appearances. And there were rumors running around like crazy that she was dying. And um, even though she would like publicly deny everything, again, she doesn't like talking to the press. I wouldn't. She actually was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Ooh, that, yeah. that's a, that's one that you don't, yeah. you can't fight. Yeah. In 2015, she performed at the Kennedy Center Awards honoring Carol King. Because Carol King wrote Natural Woman. Oh, you make me feel. Yes. <laughs> and y'all, she 
She turned up like a diva in this fur coat and she played the piano and then she got up at like the big crescendo of the song and like dropped the coat and like did this whole yes, diva she had a moment. Reveal. <laughs> Oh my god, if you haven't Yes, if you haven't watched this moment, like Obama is crying, Carol King is like jumping out of her seat so excited. It is so it is a great performance. So in 2017, Aretha performed her final concert. So she told the audience to keep her in her prayers or their prayers. But not sure if anyone realized just how sick she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she had canceled a lot of shows in the last year, but that she was, was a diva. That was just kind of what she did. So That's people were like, not necessarily anymore. They were concerned. like, okay, Beyonce. Um, they were like, it. you be an enigma. That's your thing. What did you call me? <laughs> she was like, you call me Beyonce? I am not Beyonce. I'm Aretha fucking Franklin. <laughs> and she really kept quiet with all of her health mm-hmm. issues. So mm-hmm. it was a real shock to me, you, people that are normal. Yeah. That didn't know that what was that happening. didn't know her personally. Yeah, yeah. After, like, literally the next year, she's dead. Yeah. So in her final days, she stayed in her Detroit home. Welcome visitors like Stevie Wonder. How can you... Hey, you want to have some cocktail weenies with Stevie Wonder? Yes. Um, Jesse Jackson. Huh, another one that is like, hey, Jesse, come on yeah. over. Apparently, she refused to leave uh, a will. And as she really did think that she was going to get up soon, she was going to shake it off. Like yeah. Taylor Swift. Shake it off. Shake it off. But she can't shake off cancer. No. Uh, sadly, she passed away in August of 2018 at home, surrounded by her sons and many of their loved ones, which love that for her. Yes. Um, her legacy. Where do we fucking begin? Um, in, in, I love this. In 1985, the state of Michigan declared her voice a natural resource. It's like, like oil. Like oil, coal, <laughs> timber, Aretha's voice, like a natural resource. Thank you, Michigan. Yeah. In 1987, she was the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's a shame. Which, yeah, I have issue with that they, like, I guess. Janis Joplin? Well, I mean, Um, I I just have issue with that they, like, it took that long (laughs) to, like, put somebody. But still, that is awesome, Aretha. She deserves it. She won 18 Grammys. She's, like, in the top 10 of, like, people that have won the most Grammys. Um, Well deserved. She was, after her death, awarded a Pulitzer Prize. Posthumous? Posthumously? Yes, there you go. It's not a word I love. We we got it. She, She just has too many awards to, like, even name out. She's just an absolute legend. And you know what? Let's raise a glass to Aretha. Cheers to the Queen of Soul. Yes, cheers, bitches. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, if you want to hear something, just email us at queenshistorypodcast at gmail.com. And follow us on social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a really great Facebook discussion group. We'd love to see you over there, too. And if you're so inclined, we do have a Patreon account if you need more Queen's content in your life. Yes, yes. (laughs) Thanks Thanks. for listening. Cheers, bitches. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.